Welcome to Whiskey and Wonder. Hello, hello, hello again, friends. We meet. Hello, everyone. We meet again. This is Whiskey and Wonder. Yes, we're on the dance floor of Whiskey and Wonder, where <laughs> Megan and I proceed to cut a rug. <laughs> I don't know what you're referencing. My brain hurts. Just dancing. Um, yeah, we're Whiskey and Wonder, where we make stupid jokes and review different whiskeys and teach each other something. That has made us wonder. Yeah. And that's Megan. And that's Tyler. Yep. You saw that pop up on the YouTube screen there. Um, so we're going to dive right into it today. Keep you guys, you know, get some main, a streamline. That's the word I'm looking for. Streamline it. Uh, go check out our Patreon if you haven't already. Um, it's patreon.com slash whiskey and wonder. We have some cool things going on over there. Uh, you can vote for the infinity bottles, which are our own personal blends that you guys get to choose what go in. Uh, if you look behind Megan on her screen there, you can see two of the bottles other side. She's trying to point. Yep. We have a uh, bourbon and a rye. We also have a scotch one and we just don't hard. have an empty bottle for it. As soon as we get one, we will fill them up uh, with what you guys have voted um, I think the tier for that is $2 a month and all the other, all the tiers get access to it. The cheapest is $2 a month. And that is the benefit you get is to vote on what goes in those. Um, we have other tiers that get you early access to episodes, get you, uh, discounts in the store. We have merchandise, uh, whiskey, slash shop, right? Slash store. Slash store, slash shop. Just go to whiskeyandwonder.com and click on the shop tab. Yeah, there you go. That's an even better way of saying it. And um, we've got stickers, shirts, ladies and females. Right, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Ladies and men's. Um, <laughs> oh, man. It's going to be a long one. I got to talk today, too. Uh, ladies and men's styles. And we have full run of sizes. We also have stickers and our... Whiskey tumblers with our logo. So check those out. Get them if you want. Help support the podcast. Um, our 5,000 listen celebration is on the way. We've had to postpone a little bit because of Megan. And she'll tell you why. And me why. I don't know. I just know what's happening. I don't know how or why or anything. So we'll learn that here in a little while in the open segment. Yes. Um, last thing I want to do is hit a couple of social media things. Check us out. Whiskeyandwonder.com, uh, YouTube search whiskey and wonder subscribe, hit the bell. That'll alert you when we come out with new episodes. Um, and it just like us comment. It helps us get in YouTube's algorithm, get us seen exposed. And once we get a certain number of subscribers, we can get our own nice little youtube.com slash whiskey and wonder. Um, again, Patreon, I already mentioned it earlier. Instagram, we're at Whiskey Podcast. And if you'd like to reach out and be a part of our mail time segment, which we basically haven't done in months because nobody reaches out. <laughs> you guys are you guys are dropping your end of the bargain there. Yep. Uh, contact at whiskeyandwonder.com. Actually, that's not true. I think I think we have had a couple emails, but they didn't want to be read on, on the air. air. So yeah. we do appreciate those. Yes. Email us. Let us know. Talk to us. Um, everything else is going to be in the show notes and we want to take a minute and thank everybody that does donate and does support us. Uh, the people that donate through 
PayPal, the people that subscribe to the Patreon, subscribe to YouTube. Uh, even if you just subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, you know, we appreciate it. It goes a long way. You know, we, we can't just do this all on our own. We need some help. And yes. Thank you guys. You are more amazing than you realize. Yep. And so we just want to give you guys a shout out, uh, basically every episode cause mm-hmm. we couldn't do it without y'all. Truth. Um, and real quick, before we dive into anything else, we're going... Nope, I lied. We're going to go straight to the open segment. The open segment. All right, Megan, talk to us. Tell me. <laughs> well, Tyler and everyone, I have apparently a massive concussion. <laughs> Um, I knew that. And he knows nothing else about how I got the concussion or what happened. So everyone strap in. Yeah, I'm already um, shaking my head. I, I can. My doctor told me that if you get a concussion, at most you, it, the least thing you want is a good story. And he said, I have the best story he's ever heard. Mm. So um, I was working uh, Tuesday night training a dog. Um and I was, like, kneeling on the floor with said dog. Um, Question. Yes. Kind of dog? An Australian Shepherd. No fucking shit. Yep, an Australian Shepherd. I'm not going to say the dog's name because it's a very unique name. Um, Is and it one that I know? I don't think so. Okay. Um, All right, let me... Well, never mind. I'll ask you that one off, off air. Okay. Uh, it's a very unique name and just... I don't want his parents to be embarrassed sure. because uh, they were mortified when because it happened. Because they hurt the teacher. Yeah. Um, so I was kneeling on the floor with this dog and he is like such a good boy and I love him so much. And he just got real excited and I happened to move my head a little bit like down as he launched up and his skull crushed (laughs) my face Mm. and I blacked out for a few seconds. Mm. Um, and I like, Everything came back, and, like, there were stars everywhere. Two hours later. <laughs> it wasn't that long. Um, and, like, I was like, oh, this dog just, just headbutted me, but I don't, I'm okay. I'm fine, everyone. I'm fine. This is fine. Everything's fine. And as I'm saying this, apparently there's blood dripping on my shirt. <laughs> um... And I go, at least, I mean, I'm not even bleeding. And then one of my clients who there goes, it's actually on your shirt. And I go, what? And I am gushing blood from my nose. Mm. Um, and my nose ended up bleeding for over an hour. Um, and I thought, you know what? It's not that bad. If I have bruising um, around my nose, I'll know that he broke my nose, but I don't think he did. I think I'm going to be fine. Um, and one of my other clients, uh, who was with me, um, she was very concerned. Um, I believe she works in the health field. Uh, and she, the fact that I like blacked out and was dizzy and stuff, she's like, that's really not, not good. Um, and I was like, no, 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 I'm fine. I didn't feel comfortable enough to drive. So I did have Houston come pick me up from work so I wouldn't have to drive home because I was kind of woozy. And then, um, starting, like, that night, I had the worst headache 
that's a headache that I've ever had. It didn't ever transition to a migraine, but it was this horrible throbbing headache. And it did not go away until yesterday afternoon-ish. And when did this happen? Tuesday night. Mm. And so Wednesday, I get up and I get ready and my head is killing me. And I've, at this point, taken probably 1,600 milligrams of ibuprofen trying to get it to go away. And it's not going away. Um, But I go into work and I'm working and I'm kind of like... I don't feel right. I'm a little dizzy. My arms are like really, really heavy. Um, Like my head is killing me. Um, And finally I'm like, "Um, you know what? Something is actually wrong. And so I go see the doctor Thursday. um, And he's like, oh yeah, you definitely have a concussion. Um, Have you ever been tested for a concussion, Tyler? I've probably had them, but never been tested. So they go through like all sorts of different things to like, I guess, test your brain. Um, Like he asked me to tell him the months backwards, which I think I did that one right. Hell, I don't know if I could do that (laughs) regular. Um, He asked me to count backwards from 100 in intervals of like seven, which I know I didn't do that one. Jesus Christ. I I couldn't do that (laughs) I guess I'm concussed. Um, And then he asked me to like remember like three numbers that he says and then say them backwards to him. Um, And then there was a couple more like word type number problems like that. And I think I was like 50-50 on those. But then he asked me to like walk. Um, You know how like drunks walk the line like uh, heel toe? I was honestly thinking this sounds like a field sobriety test. Yeah. That I couldn't do that right now, and I haven't had a drop to drink in, uh, since yesterday afternoon, so. Uh, yeah, so, like, he asked me to do, you know, walk in a straight line, heel-toe, and I physically could not get my foot in front of my other foot. Mm. Like, it would not go in front of my other foot. And I remember, like, looking at my doctor and going, what the fuck? And he's like, it's okay, it's okay. Like, it's just your, your brain's head. just damaged now. It won't do that ever <laughs> again. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I physically could not put my foot in front of my other foot. Um, and there were a couple other things like I messed up on. Um, but yeah, so I've had a concussion all week. Um, and I've been on like minimal duty slash activity slash screens and Everything I've basically been laying around, uh, playing with the kitten and listening to audiobooks and trying to get my head to not be broken anymore. Mm. Well, I hope, uh, I'm glad your headache went away for number one and hopefully you start feeling back to normal. I hope so. This like fog is just awful. So I hear. When you get a concussion, once you have one, it's easier to get a second one. And I, while you were talking, I was thinking about that. And I was thinking, you know, like you've got your, your, I don't know what it's called, but like doesn't your brain stem, I guess your brain sits yeah. on like a stem. I, I feel like when you like, you know, you get a concussion, it's your brain hitting yeah, your skull. Yeah, it goes boom, 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 boom. Yeah. yeah. Or at least it goes boom, yeah. you know? And I feel like that, 
Oh, in my head, I imagined your brainstem is like elastic. <laughs> wait, wait. Boing, dook. <laughs> and it just stretched just a little bit. And that's why you're more, now it's just a little bit longer, a little, <laughs> a little bit more stretchy. stretchy. <laughs> and that, that's why once you get a concussion, you're more likely to get a second. And so that's why I, I was looking down and I was in like deep thought. <laughs> and that's what I was thinking about. <laughs> that is scientific fact. That so, is doctor scientific yes. Tyler fact. Yes. That's what was, happens. It was completely doctored. Um <laughs> So yeah, that's that's my contribution to that. Uh, other than I hope you start feeling better, and I are you? Thank you. you uh, probably should have asked this earlier, but can you drink? Yes, okay. um, I can drink in moderation, so okay. a finger. Um, all right. So well, that's good. Uh, yeah, my week's not been exciting at all. Well, um, you don't have a concussion, so congratulations. That I know of. <laughs> um, honestly, I don't. Oh, I know what I did this week. <laughs> I was trying to remember what I did. I spent five consecutive days at the bar where I work. So um, we had a friend of mine was going uh, out of town for the week. So we ended up meeting there real quick after work Tuesday um, since we wouldn't get to do our normal Thursday thing. And then uh, I got a call Wednesday from the owner uh, asking me, if I could work a specific day and she said she was having to fill in. We have had a guy that had a severe allergic reaction to some kind of bug bite or spider bite or something. Supposedly now they might think it's mono. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not entirely sure what's going on. I hope Mike, Mike, I hope you feel better if you hear this. Um, but she's, she was kind of having to cover for him and, and it sounded like she wanted uh, the best way I can say this on a public forum, I guess some company. I don't want to offend anybody. Okay. I'll I'll describe it more off air. Just let's just say she uh, needed a buffer. Okay. So I get that being yeah. a woman working at a brewery. Oh no, and... it's not. It's oh. not so much that. But anyway, I oh. just kind of went in and sat. Hmm. Just yeah, kind of, kind of like that, kind of not like that. But I just went in and sat. And chit-chatted, and I had had a heck of a day. Um, me and Shelby had kind of gotten into it that day. So, oh, no. Yeah, it was one of those. Um, I just I needed a beer, so I went and... Had a beer. Had a beer, helped out with that, and uh, Trivia Thursday, which I ended up coming home from earlier than usual because it just... I had already been there two days, and... Didn't want to spend five days five days there. Worked and then ended up stopping there yesterday after uh, getting back from running some errands. Just stopped for a quick beer. Just one and done. So other than that, I pretty much just wanted to forget this week ever happened at work. It was just super freaking busy and somehow... I don't know how to describe to people that are not in my industry or, or understand what I do. And it takes a long time for me to explain it. So I'm just going to say we finally field, field, filled the open position on my team. Nice. Yeah. And I 
had taken on uh, several other instruments, but I had lost a couple too, uh, more advanced instruments um, that it took a little bit more experience to work with. And I had been running them since March and just was kind of counting, counting the seconds to when I was getting a little stress relief. And I found out uh, last week or maybe it was the week before that I'm actually not losing any of the day-to-day, week-to-week instruments. I'm losing some of the stuff. Uh, I, I lost some of the ones that I had already lost that the the took more experience to do. I officially lost those and some of the stuff that comes due every couple months. Um, but like my week-to-week stuff wasn't going to change. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's one of those like... I'm but the way my schedule works, the way our instruments work, there are some weeks that I have the bare minimum happening and it's fine. That's I'm, I have too much time. And then there are other weeks where everything falls on the same week and I don't have enough time. So it's, it can just be a little stressful week to week. Um, and she said, you know, my boss said, this is kind of touch and go. We'll, take it as it is and we'll make adjustments as needed. Um, but you know, we'll see those, those weeks where everything comes due. It, it's, it's stressful. And this was one of those weeks. Um, Oof. so I just like to forget those weeks and I start dreading them on Saturday. Uh. Like I know it's coming and it immediately just takes a dump all over my weekend. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. So, but it, it is what it is and it's, I mean, it probably says I'm in the wrong job, but who isn't? <laughs> so, anyway, um, that's how my week went. I watched me and Shelby's thing. We watched NASCAR. That's like our time together uh, through the week where we sit down and do our couple thing. And other than playing trivia on Thursdays, that those are our two couple things. And I watched her driver knock my driver out of the way to win today. And that was a little, did that cause an issue? It was a little icy, uh, <laughs> tensions. I, I'm not going to say like tensions were high. Like we both saw each other's point, but we both defended our driver too. So, you know, it is what it is. Oh boy. But all right. So we're going to go ahead and move on. Um, uh, unless Megan has something else. Did I, I almost hit the button? I'm so sorry. My brain. Um, Last week, did I tell you guys we officially named the cat? Or did that happen this week? My brain. I don't know. Okay. Uh, we tell have, us again. We have officially named the cat Nira. So, Nira okay. the kitten. Um, and They're always going to be Trash Cat in my heart. She That is definitely her, like, one of her fond nicknames is Trash Cat. Yep. So. Anyway. Yeah, her name's Nira. Okay. And that's what I wanted to also share. The All end. right. Well, we'll move on. Opening the bottle. Uh, so our longtime listeners will know that I try to time up the cork pop with the sound effect in that. This isn't a cork, is it? This is a screw-off bottle. Did you just try to pull it off? No. Oh, okay. I, I screwed it off earlier. Okay. I was aware. I knew. I knew coming <laughs> in. Uh, well, today we are drinking John Barr Scotch. Um... And we're going to see how I do reading this. 
Um, if you need me to read it, just let me know. I will. So it is believed that John Barr Scotch was designed to compete neck and neck with Johnny Walker. Um, Can I interrupt for one second? Yes. I just want to know it is the blended Scotch. Oh, I, I sorry. I don't. Yep. Your brain. Brain man. Uh, in a bid to protect its overseas agents, the DCL, after being ordered by the European Commission to address issues concerning dual pricing of goods, took Johnny Walker Red Label and several other blends off the market. This distinguished blend was introduced in 1978 to compensate for a legal skirmish that took Johnny Walker Red Label off UK store shelves. The brand was put together by the same Johnny Walker team, but licensed to George Cowie and Sons Limited, closely associated with Speyside's Morlock Distillery. In the early 1980s, John Barr Scotch was popular in the Midlands and the Northwest England, but, was, but never featured among the top players nationally. The label was sold off to Invergordon Distillers, along with the Claymore and Ushers, when Guinness took over the DCL in 1986. When Invergordon was taken over by White and McKay in 1993, its master blender, Richard Patterson, became the man behind John Barr Scotch Whiskey's makeup, improving it significantly. John Barr Scotch was relaunched in early 2017 with new com contemporary packaging embossed with the words since 1881 in reference to White and McKay's heritage. So John Barr Scotch is produced by White and McKay, one of Scotland's most esteemed whiskey houses. The establishment was started by James White and Charles McKay when they began their career as whiskey merchants in Glasgow in 1881. Um, today this distillery has earned the title UK Spirits Producer of the Year by the International Wine and Spirits Competition. And, um, the John Barr Blended Scotch earned 96 points in the 2016 Ultimate, um, Spirits Challenge. And, um, that, that's, that's what I got, Tyler. What do Ooh. You I just... <laughs> <laughs> I found a review online of this that just nailed it in the first. Oh, like, we'll see. It, it just goes, are you ready for the Evan Williams to the Jack Daniels of the Johnny Walker blended Scotch world? Look no further, <laughs> friends, because once you were lost, now you're found. Although on second thought, maybe further looking is a much better idea. Uh-oh. Oh, no. <laughs> so, um... I haven't, I, I uh, smelled a little bit of this while Megan was talking and I looked up a couple reviews after smelling it and the first thing that stuck out to me was chocolate. Really? Yes, yeah, chocolate. Chocolate. And then I was very happy to see it on, on somebody else <laughs> got that, so um, uh, yeah, definitely chocolate, um, some, some fruit note in there. Are we smelling the same thing? Yeah. Okay. Um, a little bit of, uh, that, that peaty smell. Very, very mild. Um, heavy disagree. Heavy disagree. Yeah. Um, I, my very, the very first smell I got was overwhelming campfire. Extremely peaty, extremely smoky. Um, very woodsy. Oh, I don't get hardly any. <laughs> um, 
Uh, I'm not getting any chocolate. I'm not getting any fruit. I am not... <laughs> I'm not... Um, I'm not getting anything that you're saying other than... I legitimately can smell like the same chocolate flavor I smelled last week in the Tullamore 12. Did you just not wash the glasses well enough? Is is your glass still have some Tullamore in it? Because, I mean, I'm not... Hell, let me smell yours. Smell, yeah. I don't know. What in the hell? Is this just my brain? It's like, nope. Do they smell the same? Mm. Uh-oh. Shit, I might not have washed my glass well enough. Ha <laughs> ha! Well, shit, Megan, fill us in. I'm going to go transfer this to a different glass. Okay. Um. So, yeah, I am not um, getting any type of chocolate or anything. This is a very, like, from the smell, you can tell it's a scotch, um, which worries me. Um, it's very peaty, um, very woodsy, campfirey. Um, you get the the grainy um, oak. Uh, when Tyler said um, Jack Daniels, it does kind of have like a Jack sensation in the nose. Um, but uh, I I mean I really think that that's my um I'm it's just overwhelming smoke peat woodsy grain. Um, no, no sweetness, very, um, very scotchy. I'm back, baby. <laughs> um, sorry, that's a bender quote. Uh, well, I feel, uh, literally, <laughs> first thing I smelled was chocolate, and first thing I saw on that review was chocolate, so I was, I felt... Vindicated. Yeah, like, all right, I'm not crazy, but... Let's try it in a different now try, try it in, in a, a different glass. Different glass, because you, did you smell something different when you smelled my glass? You must have. It wasn't as as chocolatey sweet. Yeah, I definitely got more more of the earthy flavors. Okay, yeah. Let's know earthy. That's a good word for it. Very earthy. Um, according to this website. Well, I I'm still getting chocolate. So okay. Remember, I have a brain injury. <laughs> so. Uh, well, no, that's not what I want to remember. I want to point out that she got hit in the nose. This dog hit me like a freight train. Like, it, he didn't hit me like at this part of my nose. He hit me up here where my glasses are and smashed, like, my glasses into my face. Mm. And, like, this part of my nose crunched. <laughs> but he hit me like a freight train. Like, I... Did I ever tell you about the first time I went in uh, for consultation for my deviated septum? No. It was a different doctor than the one that ultimately ended up attempting the procedure. <laughs> um, And he just, he looked in my nose. I don't even think he took that, you know, that little magnifying thing they yeah, have. Yeah, the little light looking thing. I don't even think he used that. I think he just looked up there with his eyes and he goes, how many times have you broken your nose? I, never? <laughs> yeah, never. None to my knowledge. And he goes, oh, okay. But sure looks like it. <laughs> looks like you broke it a couple times. Which might explain why I really fucking hate getting hit in the nose. Whenever Bose caught me in the nose a couple times, and I've, oh, I've been very upset. 
I can't get mad at him, but I've been very upset. Yes. Yeah. They so. didn't mean to. And I that's, know. He's just playing. It's my fault. That's exactly yep, how it, I feel about my concussion. Like, yep. it was not the dog's fault at all. Yep. I love that dog. I'm not mad at that dog. Yep. So, all right. Anyway, back to the back to the whiskey. Um. So, anyway, uh, this website says the scent of this whiskey is very slightly peaty over a mildly sweet vanilla malt with a touch of faint caramel. If you spend more time exploring, you'll pick up some bit of leathery scent. Oh, well, that sounded very British. I, well, I didn't know if I was doing a British accent or what, but I was trying to read it very pretentious-like. Yeah, that's kind of British. <laughs> um, yeah, I... Wow. Okay, so... Uh, apparently the black label, which... Uh, I guess... Oh, I'm sorry. This is the Reserve Blend. I did not notice that. I did not realize there were two blends. This is the Reserve Blend. It is the Black Label, and there's the Finest, which is the Red Label. Okay. Uh, the Black Label contains older malt and a smokier profile. So. Definitely smokier. Did you taste already? Yep. Took a okay. sip. Um, for me, it's very, very mild on the front end. Like, very mild. Um, and none of the flavors really hit until the, like the, the back half, the mid to back half. Um, like initially putting it on my tongue was like water. Like I didn't get anything that first split second. It was very just kind of there. Um, and then it transitioned into something very, very, um, peaty, smoky, leathery. Um, I mean, I get, I have that ashy kind of leftover taste in my mouth. Um, yeah, I would agree. It was very, very, um, not there. Maybe a little tinge of sweetness on yeah. the tip of the tongue. Very, and bitty. it just goes right into... Um, it goes into Petey, uh, but it's not overwhelming for me. I honestly, I didn't mind it. It does have, hell, maybe my taste buds are changing, but uh, honestly, I thought it tasted pretty dang good. Um, the finish, it's got a little bit of a burn to it. It is, uh, I don't know if Megan said it earlier. It is, uh, 80 proof. 40%. Yeah. Yeah. 80 proof. So. Um, it's got a little, a little kick. It's more kick than an 80 proof bourbon would have. Um, and I, the finish it, it, the kind of smoky flavor lingers, mm -hmm. but I would need to taste again before I could say much more than that. I just can't get, get over how empty it is at the very, very forefront. Um, like Tyler said, maybe a little bit of sweetness and yeah, maybe it, just the littlest hint, but it's very pear. That's pear. what I get. That's what I get on the forefront because I fucking hate pears. <laughs> I yep, definitely taste pear. Hmm. Um. I don't know, man. So I want to uh, vindicate myself by reading this aroma scent that <laughs> you've been looking. Yes. Okay. 
It's correct. John John Bar Reserve Blend is characterized by rich aromas of chocolate, baked sweet apple, and freshly baked bread. Now I didn't get the apple or the bread, but I definitely got the chocolate. Uh, and I, uh, I don't want to read the notes and finish because I don't agree with them at all. <laughs> You can't pick and choose. Uh, all right. The notes, uh, it says notes of ripe apricot, gingerbread, and hazelnuts. What the hell? And the finish is lingering maple. Are we drinking the same thing? Because I don't think we're drinking the same thing. Yeah, that's the drinking. same bottle. I get. I can see where they're getting a finish of lingering maple. I have a sweet flavor. I do have the... <clears throat> I, with this... Scotch, and I think this is something that I have acquired that maybe, I don't know if you've drank enough scotches to acquire. I don't know how often you drink scotch when you're not here. Very little, it looks like. Um, and I, when I'm not here, I only drink the good scotch, too. So, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah. Where's my British accent? <laughs> um, anyway, um, I can separate that smoky flavor out it's almost like it splits and i get the smoky but i can also pick the other flavors out and i think that's a product of drinking multiple smoky whiskeys and kind of getting used to that flavor i'm gonna have to drink more smoky whiskeys then um i i'm just not a fan of the smoky whiskeys um i didn't used to be but it's growing on me hmm. but i'm definitely getting a, like a sweet vanilla kind of flavor hanging around in my mouth afterwards, so. I'm just getting that ash, that ashy burnt wood. It's it's an acquired taste, I promise. All right, well. Um, I, real quick, before we move on, I do want to say this was just a random off-the-shelf pick. I, I knew nothing about this going in. Do you remember the SSRP? Uh, I just saw in here, it was like uh, $19.00. Uh, I, this 19? web, this website has it for 40. So, uh, let's see. Let me, let me do one more thing. Check one more place. Yeah. I see a couple of places that have it for about, for about 20 bucks. Okay. Uh, so it's online. A cheap, couple. Cheap Scott. Yeah. A couple have it. Um, yeah, it's the 1.75 for, uh, $40. So yeah, it looks like about 20 bucks for a fifth. All right. It's time for the wonder segment. It's been a month since we have heard Tyler's wonderful wonder voice. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, as you know, this is my favorite part of Whiskey and Wonder. So, um, but I actually had a blast researching this today because I... I dove into it and didn't realize I thought I knew a lot about it and I realized I didn't understand. I didn't appreciate the scale of it. I didn't understand exactly how impactful it was. So with that being said, in developed nations today, our societies uh, live and some may even say thrive due to the vast amount of technology that we use in our day-to-day lives. And I'm not talking about your smartphone or your laptop that you're on or your device that you're listening to this. 
I'm talking about things that we don't think about anymore. Things like food processing, energy generation, product manufacturing. We've all grown to take these things for granted, mainly because most of us have grown up without having to do them and think about them for ourselves. If we want food, we go to the grocery store. If we want a product, we order it from Amazon. If we plug something in, we expect it to work. We've lost those primal skills that our ancestors had because of how easy technology has made our lives. But where did all this technology come from? That's the question. How did we go from simple hunter-gatherers to societies that just flat out wouldn't know how to hunt or what to gather? So the story starts, obviously, with early humans inventing rudimentary tools, which they all crafted by hand. Over time, our crafting abilities increased. We were able to make complex tools like wooden ships to sail across oceans. But these complex tools took a painstakingly long time to create. So the supply was relatively limited. Only the rich could pretty much get the big boats and stuff like that. If you remember from your history class, all the monarchs, like Columbus sailed for monarchs in Italy. And, you know, they all, everybody had to have a backer, financial backer. Um, That all changed during the 18th century which is the 1700s, because I might may or may not bounce back and forth. From the mid to late 1700s to the mid 1800s, the world went through a revolution unlike any it had ever seen before. The Industrial Revolution. Megan's shaking her head over there. I think I had her going there in the first half. She didn't know where I was going. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. I was like trying to, but now I got it. I got it. All right. Oh, hell. My contact's screwed up. Uh-oh. I had a sty in my eye a couple weeks ago, and it's just now finally starting to heal. But I'm still waking up with goop in there Ugh. in the mornings, and at night it gets really, it starts trying to produce that goop again. Do you need to go take your contacts out? No, it's fine. Okay. The Industrial Revolution is traced back to the uh, to 18th century Britain. The British had a long history of producing textiles and cotton, Uh, textiles, cotton, and wool are both source material for these products. The climate in Britain is perfect for raising sheep for wool, but cotton didn't grow so well. Uh, so Britain actually got most of its cotton through, uh, the trade triangle that sent cotton from the U S plantations to Britain, manufactured goods from Britain to West Africa and slaves from West Africa to the U S as part of the Atlantic slave trade, which is its own topic for another day. But that's kind of how Britain got its supply. With the necessary material, small workshops in Britain would produce fabrics, textiles at very slow rates. It was basically one or two people working in small shops or people working at home by hand. That all changed with a quick handful of of inventions. The cotton gin... The spinning jenny, the flying shuttle, the power loom, and the water frame that was adapted for cotton were the main revolutionary inventions in the textile industry about this time. Each of these inventions increased efficiency by either speeding up the manufacturing process or allowing larger quantities to be manufactured. By the way, the power loom brings a whole new meaning to the term fruit of the loom. 
I had that dawned on me and I was like, wow. What? Yeah. It's the fruit of the loom. Oh my, was that their intention? Like you just blew my fucking mind. Well, I what? Am, I imagine because you're using a loom to create this fabric or this, this underwear. Wow. Never. And that is the fruit. It never also never made that. Wow. I also think about, you know, men's underwear and it's kind of, you know, you're protecting the fruit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Uh, and lost me. And we're back down. Well, <laughs> you guys will get it. <laughs> uh, with this new mechanized pr- uh, production, Britain was more than able to meet the demand for cloth domestically. Soon began exporting the surplus to its many colonies around the globe. Uh, but textiles were just one example, and it was not the only industry that was impacted during the Industrial Revolution. The, produ- uh, yeah, the production of iron was also revolutionized when manufacturers began using steam-powered blast furnaces which achieved higher temperatures and allowed uh, for the use of more lime uh, during the process. Lime is a material that contains calcium as an inorganic compound, which is typically in the form of calcium carbonate, which is the main mineral that makes up limestone, marble, and chalk. Snuck some geology in there. Um, I saw what you did there. When enough lime is used in the iron smelting process, the sulfur from the coal uh, slash coke, which is a byproduct from burning coal, coal, uh, that that sulfur will react with the lime and it removes it from the iron. uh, And this new process created a much higher quality iron. This higher quality iron and steel allowed for new, stronger tools to be created prior, uh, new, stronger tools to be created. Prior to the industrial revolution, most machines were typically made out of wood uh, potentially with some small handcrafted metal parts. Um, as the revolution progressed, more and more machines be- began being made out of metal due to the wooden parts failing when they would expand and contract uh, with temperature and humidity changes. You know, as humidity changes, uh, wood has water in it, so it expands, it contracts. Same with temperature uh, because humidity and temperature are directly related. Threaded fasteners, such as screws, nuts, and bolts, also began being made out of metal, which was much more efficient, as they obviously didn't come loose when the weather changed. Um, The creation of metal machinery allowed for more precision machinery to be invented. Uh, Instead of Josiah the blacksmith hitting heated metal with a hammer and charging you a fortune for for a half-assed product, uh, now you could get small, precise metal tools created. Uh, and these were originally pioneered by watch and clockmakers, along with the makers of scientific instruments, uh, who until then had not been able to produce these small pieces in batches. They had to like hand, hand make them a piece at a time. And if you really think about it, watchmakers, like watches have very intricate metal pieces inside of them. Oh my gosh, they're so cool. Yeah. Um, so, so cool. If you can like take apart a watch and like look at all of it, it's so cool. Yeah, being able to mass produce some of those, um, that would definitely, you know, it just make your your make life your, easier. Yeah, make life easier, but it'd make it more efficient. You could do more, make more, produce more, more money, and that's what we all want, right? More money. More money. 
bitch, give me my money. <clears throat> um, it didn't take long before people realized that large machines could be made more precise too. By 1774, a boring machine had been invented, which would bore large diameter cylinders onto early steam engines. In addition, uh, the planing machine, shaping machine, and milling machine were all developed within a few years, and they all do what they say they would do. They were very creative with the names back then. <laughs> uh, you might have noticed that we're talking a lot about Britain. Well, that's because Britain realized uh, they had a head start into the Industrial Revolution, and said, uh, no, you can't take any of the machinery, manufacturing techniques, or skilled laborers out of the country. We're, we forbid it. Yep. Uh, but luckily, there were those British citizens who gave them a middle finger and realized there were opportunities abroad and said, I'm going to go make my money. And so they spread it around the world. Um, when the Napoleonic Wars broke out in 1803, Britain was able to capitalize on the demand for iron and steel, again, sending their higher quality and, and easier to produce products around the world. Obviously, the, the, the Napoleonic Wars didn't last forever, so the demand for iron and steel died down again after 1815 until the railroad industry kicked off in the 1820s. Speaking of the railroad, let's take a look at what was and in my opinion, is the most impactful invention of the Industrial Revolution. The steam engine. Although it was technically not invented during the Industrial Revolution, the steam engine is truly the star of the show. Invented in 1712 by Englishman Thomas Newcomen and called the, quote, atmospheric engine, end quote, it operated by boiling water and allowing the water vapor to flow through a tube into a cylinder which contained a piston. This piston was attached to a rocking arm, which was also attached to the central beam, and the counterweight on the opposite side was attached to a rod. So kind of think about a beam running up, and there's a T, and on one side of this T, you've got a counterweight, and on the other side, you've got um, the piston and the boiler and, excuse me, the tube that connects the boiler to the piston. Uh, this rod, yeah, this rod was typically attached to a large pump. Once the piston was raised via the rising water vapor and the counterweight, the cylinder was isolated from boiling water via a stopcock, and water was injected from a reservoir, which would speed up the condensation process of the water vapor inside the cylinder. This created a vacuum, and air pressure would force the piston back down, pushing the condensed water out of an exhaust pipe that led into a different reservoir of water. This exhaust reservoir would ensure that no steam escaped the system, and there was also typically a small pump connected uh, to the rocker arm that was used to pump water back to the supply reservoir. So it was a pretty neat little invention. Um, I originally was going to put up a diagram here, uh, but And it was actually animated. I was going to put it up on the screen, but it didn't animate when I <laughs> tried to put it on the screen. So that was kind of a frustrating thing. Well, you described it very well. I could picture okay, it. Okay, good. Well, I'm, I, I was worried about that. Uh, this was the first invention that usefully used steam to produce mechanical work, generating about five horsepower. Now, I put that in there because there was a guy that invented 
something similar, a uh, 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 steam. I, I forget exactly what it called it. It wasn't a steam engine, but it was a very similar invention, but it was worthless. It didn't work at all. Mm. And some sites credited him as the original inventor, but I think your shit's got to work to be counted as an actual inventor. And, uh, the guy, uh, what was his name? Uh, Thomas Newcomen, his notes said that he studied a different guy and kind of used his pioneer work to to bounce off of. So, um, I do want to give a quick definition here because uh, I, I mentioned mechanical work. Uh, in physics, work is the energy transferred to or from an object via the application of force along a displacement. Uh, so this invention, this this atmospheric engine, as it's called, uh, was primarily used throughout Britain to pump water out of mines during the 18th century, hence the main rod being attached to a pump. It wasn't until Scottish inventor and mechanical engineer James Watt, you might have heard that term, a Watt, uh, when James Watt made some design changes uh, that the steam engine was created, the way we know it. Watt added a steam jacket around the cylinder in order to keep it at uh, the temperature of the steam, and he added a steam condenser chamber that was separate from the piston chamber. The combination of these two changes increased the instrument uh, the instrument's efficiency and reduced operational costs by 75% as the instrument didn't need nearly as much coal to keep the fire going. Money. More efficient, more money. Same production, less cost. Mm-hmm. They typically produced around 10 horsepower. Um, by 1783, Watt's steam engine had been further developed so that it was able to drive uh, the rotary machines of a factory, mill, or even blast furnaces. Mass production, here we come. The development of machine, the machine tools that I mentioned earlier uh, allowed for these steam engines to evolve rapidly, and soon larger, more powerful steam engines were built. Until around 1800, though, the most common form of the steam engine was that type I described earlier that was built around a central beam. These were typically built into a structure and were not movable. But soon people began making portable, portable versions uh, note, I said portable, not mobile. What's the difference? Uh, I think mobile being on wheels, whereas portable is like you can move it place to place, whereas it doesn't move itself. Hmm. So not like, not like a steam car, steam train, steam boat. It just like, here's a steam engine. Now pick it up and take it to the other room. Okay. You know. All right. Um. Uh, where was I? Structure. There we go. Uh, around the turn of the century, American inventor Oliver Evans and Cornish engineer Richard Trevithick uh, separately began constructing higher pressure steam engines, which released exhaust to the atmosphere. High pressure steam engines could be built much smaller and produce more horsepower, allowing them to be placed on boats and rail. However, they were much more dangerous as the high pressure could cause the boiler to explode if not managed properly. Watt was actually firmly against this, uh, going so far as to having, attempting to have 
Trevithick locked up because he thought these high power um, steam engines were were that dangerous. Jesus. And it turns out, honestly, he wasn't that wrong <laughs> because if you go listen to, uh, I think if you go way, way, way back in here to the Halloween special we did, which was like the sixth or seventh episode we ever did. Wow. We're going way back. Yeah, we did our favorite scary stories from like our past or our childhood or something. Yep. And my mom always told told me train ghost stories. And they always involved steam engines that wrecked and the boiler, like when they wrecked, the boiler was the dangerous part mm-hmm. because it was boiling and scalding hot water. So they are definitely, and that's a high pressure steam engine. So they are dangerous. Um, let's see, where did I, I lost my place. There it is. Okay. With the advent of the steam engine, uh, the manufacturing industry was able to begin mass production of tools, cloth, and countless other goods. Steamboats and the railroad industry, which were both direct results of the steam engine, were able to move products and people around at much faster speeds. When you combine these two, the result is that goods become more affordable and are able to be purchased by more people throughout the world, or throughout the area, at least, the country. The cycle somewhat, or the cycle also somewhat began feeding itself. As the railroad industry grew, more steel was needed to build locomotives and to lay railroad tracks, as well as build canals for steamboats, which in turn caused the steel mills to require more production and more raw materials, which were typically brought in via rail or steamboat. It just was kind of one of those, like, you know, snowballing yep. situations. Yep. Goes and goes and goes. Um, another way the steam engine created a self-feeding cycle was in the mining industry. Mines began using steam engines to help extract coal more efficiently. A significant portion of this coal went into powering, you guessed it, steam engines. Uh, with all that said, however, the steam engine is important for another reason. And that... In my opinion, it's just as impactful, if not more so than all the others. Um, The steam engine officially started humanity down the path to the steam turbine and electricity generation, along with all the good and all the bad that follows. Now, I'm not going to touch that other than that. Okay, that that you could get into a lot. Yes, I could. Oh, yes, we could have that debate, and I know where I fall on it. <laughs> um, and I'll just spoiler alert: there's no good, there's no pollution-free cheap energy. So, at least not at this time. It might be, might be eventually, but now before we wrap this wonder segment up. We're going to take a look at a couple more industries that were influenced and impacted by the industrial industrial revolution, starting with the communication industry. I would have never thought about these next two industries being impacted by the industrial revolution. I get the communication industry. I would have never thought about it. Once I read it, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. But just thinking about it, would have never realized it. During this period, people began to realize there was an increasing need to communicate over long distances. Whenever there's a need... There's usually somebody working on a solution, and that's exactly what William Cook and Mm -hmm. Charles Wheatstone did. 
In Britain, in 1837, the pair invented and patented the first commercial telegraph system. Unsurprisingly, because there's about a billion, jillion people on this planet. At the same time in the U.S., Samuel Morse was working on almost the exact same invention. These new systems would go on to be used for railroad signaling as the steam locomotives were rapidly increasing in efficiency, resulting in faster trains with more load-carrying abilities. Along with the communications industry, what in the hell? My purse just decided to shift all by itself. (laughs) It hit that bag over there. Along with the communications industry, the banking system also got a boost from the Industrial Revolution. Banks and financiers rose to prominence during this time because factories quickly became dependent on all three, or all of the following, owners, managers, and workers uh, to ensure that they remained functioning. Workers obviously needed to work in the factory. Managers were necessary uh, to to ensure that the factory was run properly and efficiently. And the owners were needed to ensure that the factory had the money and supplies necessary to operate and grow. Um, An interesting byproduct of this kind of change in the financial system of the world was the creation of the New York Stock Exchange and the London Stock Exchange. So it directly resulted in the invention of shares and the stock markets. So I thought I, that I, did, I wouldn't have connected. Yeah. It's, it's, if you really think about how much technology came from the industrial revolution, it's pretty much all of it. I mean, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. In some way, shape or form, it can probably trace its roots back to the industrial revolution. While researching this wonder segment, I was staggered uh, by how in basically Two generations, developed countries went from relatively primitive technology and production practices to very efficient and very advanced methods for the time. I was also really blown away by how many different industries, products, and people uh, were and have been influenced by all these inventions uh, that I talked about today, plus countless others that I didn't mention here. Uh, It certainly represents a period in history where humanity showed exactly what we can do Mm -hmm. in both a good and bad sense. But with all that being said, I certainly think uh, revolution is the perfect description for this period, despite there being no bloodshed. And on that note. All right. I'm sure there was bloodshed. There was definitely bloodshed. Yeah, but not not like a war. Not like a typical revolution. not a war. Okay. And I think most of the bloodshed honestly probably came afterwards. When yeah. you when you got your once you have your factories up once and you running. have your factories and yeah, they start what, exploiting the work that's yeah that's what I was thinking and, of yeah, is and that, all the child that, labor and yeah just, that that came later uh, I feel well maybe not super later but I mean I guess you have to have the technology first before you yeah. can that the industrial revolution started us there that's why I said it's got the good and the bad yeah it's it's we couldn't be where we are today without it um but. You know, yeah. it's caused a lot of problems that history's had to endure and that we're enduring today. So True. That was a good one. Well, I thanks. I appreciate it. I love steam engines with a passion, so. Do you really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. Well. I love steam engines. Then teach me something. I'm sure you know something about it that I left out. I did a I didn't do yeah. as much detail as I could have. Oh, uh you put me on the spot. Oh, okay. Why'd well, you do that? Fine. Sorry. That's I have brain fine. injury. Yeah, ah! that's fine. All right.
Trivia with Tyler. I just redacted my spot. I, I took it back. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Shut down. Um, yeah, I love steam engines. <laughs> just don't ask me about them. <laughs> uh, that's Megan's brain injury. She's coming in late. She forgot she told us she loves steam engines two minutes ago. <laughs> just my life, guys. <laughs> All right, give uh, me a Tyler nugget so I can feel better. All right. Uh, this is where I remember I said I needed to pull up that, that thing. This is where I need to pull up that thing. Okay. Jesus, I need to oil that thing. All right. So uh, when the Titanic rammed an iceberg, which we covered way, way, way back in episode 57, where we talked about Violet Jessup, the queen of sinking ships. If you'll remember, she is the she was on the Titanic and both of its sister ships yep. when they all sank. So that's a fun, that was a fun little topic. But anyway, when the Titanic rammed an iceberg, William Murdoch, the officer in charge, was portrayed in the film as shooting a passenger and then committing suicide. I don't know. I've never seen the film. You you? Yes. I can't believe. Okay. Yes. I've seen it. Okay. You know what it's, you know what it's, I know exactly what you're talking about. Everybody out there, I apologize. I apologize for not having seen that film. I hope you know. Anyway, in reality, he was last seen trying to fill as many lifeboats as possible and heroically went down with the ship. What? Yep. The so, movie fucked, fucked him, him over. Not just the movie, but uh, who directed that? James Cameron? He, uh, yes. I think so, yeah. That's sad so. that I know who directed it, but never seen the movie. Anyway, James Cameron. Uh, I, he Fucked him. That dude ended like died a hero, but yep. he made him like a little chicken shit. Yeah, that's kind of. I don't like that. Yeah, that's rough. Mm. So, anyway, I thought that was pretty interesting. Definitely. Final thoughts. All right. Well, I've been sipping on this as you've been talking, and I added some water um, near the end dish there. So I've been sipping as well, and I just added some water. Um, it's obviously I didn't get to taste as much as I would like to having to present, but what I did taste, um, I was pleasantly surprised. It's grown on me. It's definitely grown on me as I've um, continued on. Did you I, smell this after you put water? Yeah. Please tell me what you smell. Um, I didn't smell any of the smokiness anymore. Um, I smell maple syrup. Yeah, it's I sweet s- now. That that one that said maple syrup was the finish. I smell it. It's. I highly enjoy it more with the water than without um, because it took away a lot of that peat. Um, it's still there, especially at the finish. Um, but it's a lot more pleasant to me now. Um, I really enjoy how sweet it turned out. Um, there it is a little bit more bitter, um, but the the front doesn't have nothing anymore. Like it it has a little bit more substance. I can taste stuff a little bit better. You said it's more bitter. Yeah. Okay, I haven't tried it yet. I'm excuse me. I'm captivated by this. Maple smell, but I do still smell some of the peat. It's so not nearly like it was. Um, we're gonna see what you think of it. I don't know. I like it more with water. 
Oh, I like it less with water. Really? Yeah. Um, oof, that's... Uh, let me let me have another sip real quick. All right. I'd, I mean, I tried it again. I like it more with water. I think I'm actually getting some of that chocolate now, too. Yum, yum. Oh, no. man, no. Really? Um, Why? This knocked it down a chunk. Um, really? A chunk? Yeah, I said it earlier, and I'll say it again. I fucking hate pears, um, and all I taste is pear. Okay. Uh, a little bit of smoke, a little bit more burn, and, uh, yeah, some pear. All right, well. So, <laughs> it went way down for me. Okay. I like the smokiness kind of overpowering the pear to a certain extent. Okay. Um Yeah. Megan, you wanna Um What the hell What the hell is happening? I'm scared. Um I think Tyler's security system or something is going off or I don't know what's happening, so I'm gonna fill the air. Um and tell you about why we named our kitten Nira. So um me and Houston struggled with naming this cat. We went back and forth on so many names and oh, Tyler's back. I'm going to have to finish telling the story. Shit. Well, we went back and forth on so many names and um, uh, we finally um, we were trying to figure out maybe something like Dungeons and Dragons related um, and we both really love the Raven Queen. Uh, if anyone plays D&D, you'll know who that is. Um, but there's very, very little history, um, on the current Raven Queen. Um, we know that her, like, true name has been forgotten because it, like, holds power over her. Um, but in 4E, the previous edition, um, before they retconned her, um, her husband by force basically gave her the name Nira. Um, and she went by Nira for a very long time. And, uh... And we liked Nira. We looked it up. It means light. She brought some light and joy into our lives. And uh, that's um, like where we where we are, where we got it. Um, and that's why we decided to do Nira. So well, now you know. Um, I just shot the last little bit of it and got some vanilla and no pear. So maybe I'd shoot it if it had some water. But I wouldn't drink this with water. Um, <clears throat> so... <laughs> Funny story, apparently, uh, I have, I don't want to say its name, it's listening, uh, I have, uh, a thing that starts with an A, yes, by, and ends in Exa, yes, yes, (laughs) I have one of those, and it just started talking up a storm in the other room, terrifying, (laughs) yeah, like, uh, I I don't know what it was talking about. It was just going on, and then it kind of went decreased in volume, and I went and checked the other room, and it's still just talking away. <laughs> it, it had been talking for almost 30 seconds. I don't know why. So I... Freaked me out. Yeah, we didn't we didn't say the word, but that anyway. That's terrifying, because there was just this woman I heard talking in the yeah. back. And yeah, I'm like, same. what in the fuck? Yeah, oh, I was wondering if maybe my neighbor had... Just come in? Like, <laughs> Well, the door's locked, but I was, so they, two houses down, super redneck guy down there and his wife, they're good for it about once a year. Uh, the sheriff showed up today. I walked outside to move my car while uh, 
because Shelby was coming over and I heard somebody arguing way off in the distance. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever, you know, move my car. And I hear it getting louder. And uh, I guess they were in their house and just yelling loud enough everybody could hear them outside the house. But Shelby said as she got here, there was a sheriff pulled up to their house mm. right behind her. So yeah, I guess they're having a good old domestic. Well, she does not need to come here for that. No, no I ma'am. just, I was, yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, she just walked in my house. Like, maybe they're <laughs> going at it again. She's like, I got to get away and said, fuck it, this house. I don't Go know. Go to the bearded man's yeah. house. Like, bitch, get the hell out of my house. <laughs> I'm not a sanctuary. <laughs> um, all right. So let's, uh, let's rate these. Let's rate this John Barr um, reserve blend. Okay. Well, knowing it's, uh, um, Price point that it is it is fairly cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's a good thing. If this was an expensive whiskey, it would not be it would not be where it is. Um, I am going to say for me, this is probably a four. Ooh, like it's damn. It's all right. It's all right. I. Oh man, um, I had a number, but I'm thinking more and more about it, and I don't know if I can give it the number I I originally thought. It's twenty bucks. That's not a bad deal at all. I like the flavor. Um, as it is, just neat. I don't care for it as much watery. Um. Which means basically I'm gonna drink it neat or in some kind of cocktail. And I don't really drink that many cocktails anymore. So I guess on that yeah. Originally I was thinking of five, but I just can't quite go that high. Yeah. Um, it's it's yeah, all right. I'm with you. I'm going to go four. I'm going to go four, but a solid four. Um, okay. It's it's not bad at all. Neat. But I don't know how it would be mixing it, and I know it's not good. For me personally, uh, with water, just pear. <laughs> <laughs> I love pear. So. Well, you have some pears. I will enjoy my pears, and you can not enjoy them suck it um that's what i thought you were gonna say and you can suck it (laughs) (laughs) anyway with that we're i guess we're wrapping it up i guess yeah do we have anything else to say and no no all right new to your pets yes wait wait, no i'm not bob barker never mind no but you should spay and neuter your pets um well guys thank you so much for sticking around we look forward to talking to you next week um please uh rate us review us subscribe do all the wonderful things that keeps us uh, up on the charts so more people can find us um head to whiskeyandwonder.com and you can find all sorts of information and fun stuff there um including contact and sponsors and whatnot um that being said guys we thank you so much we will see you next week don't drink and drive cheers
It's listening. 